This is the Coach Brew Show. This is also the world's shortest podcast intro. And we are live. Welcome to the Coach Brew Podcast. After uh, massive technical difficulties, schedule changes, and, uh, well, I think just him generally big-timing me, um, I've got a guest in studio, and we are supposedly recording. Um, Remains to be seen. Yes, this is the Coach Brew Podcast, brought to you by Chin Up Chest Out Apparel. If you haven't been over to the website, head on over to chinupchestout.com. Getting ready to launch our summer collection. So excited. Uh, July 4th. If you are listening to this after July 4th, you snooze, you lose. Um, go to chinupchestout.com. And if you join our email list, our VIP insider email list, does that make it sound more official and important? It sounds very important. You get a discount plus free shipping on your first order. Uh, do you I get a have, badge when you do that? You get a merit badge like you're a uh, Eagle Scout. Yes. <laughs> oh wow! So um, oh, that's exciting. Could you could you maybe <laughs> Not direct Jeff. the microphone a little closer to you? Absolutely. Okay. How's that? Uh, that right there is what it takes to be heard. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Someone should write a book about that. <laughs> Speak and be heard, I should say. <laughs> uh, we are joined by, um, I used to be friends with him. Now mm-hmm. he's unofficially become my arch nemesis. That's right. Nemesis. Or Nemethith. Nemethith. Yeah. Um, so he is my uh, now arch nemesis because, um, well, Seth Rigoletti is his name. Mm-hmm. And he um, just released a book called Into the Wolf. It's a fabulous book. I haven't read it yet. I just said that. You did read it. You read it. You read a version of it. A version of it. Yeah. Yes. I have an aversion to you it. You have an yes. aversion to it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Seth, uh, I wanted to bring him on the podcast, A, to promote his book because it just launched. Uh, you can go to SethRigoletti.com and order a copy, yeah. uh, then send it to me. I will sign it yeah. and put my endorsement in it. I yeah. will handwrite my endorsement yeah. of his book it's an important in there. Part. John, John's done very well with this. I did not get his endorsement in the book. It couldn't. It wouldn't fit. Um, I.e., Allegedly. I had to kick him off <laughs> to make room for another person, and uh, and he's taking it very well. Just so you all know. And by very well, he means personally, because if you follow <laughs> at Coach Brew on Instagram, you have seen. Um, it's brutal. Let's just call it hazing. It's is brutal. That, is that a good word for it's it? Brutal. I've been harassing you about it, but in all seriousness, uh, we do these author interviews from time to time with my uh, very talented friends. Uh, mm. Seth's not one of them. No, He's no, just I just a, I just happen to squeeze in. Yeah, um, I couldn't play golf, and I love love promoting other people's work. Um, it, in all seriousness, is a great book. It's much needed. I think we. Uh, are having a leadership crisis in this country, and much of leadership is communication, yeah. uh, verbal and nonverbal. Yeah. You know, um, what you don't say speaks volumes. And this book is, well, the best way I could put it as we sit here and sip a cup of coffee is it's kind of like you are like looking over his shoulder inside a private coaching session you're just sort of sitting back having a cup of coffee watching him coach different clients um and i don't want to like ruin the surprise because we're going to unpack a couple of those client stories 
It's even, it's and, even, and they all have aliases, so we're not throwing anyone under the no, bus. No, no, we're no. not violating client confidentiality. That wouldn't put it past Seth to do right, that. Right, exactly. Thank you. The it, you know, it's even it's even slightly. Um, you're not. It's not just that you're in the room. You're actually in conversation with me. So I, I what I take the reader into my head, even, and I talk that's a, a little frightening bit of, thought. I know, right? So I, I get to you get to see a little bit about what I see and and how I think about some of this stuff. And and for those of you who don't know me or don't know the work it's just it's very intuitive i'm sort of watching for things and listening for things seth is a a leadership communication coach i I didn't really do a good job with your introduction here i sort of failed as your hype guy Uh, and part of that is intentional because you sort of failed at getting me in the book yeah Um, you're in the book you're just not in the book in that way oh okay so uh what i was gonna do to him truth be told is i was going to I asked you know all my guests and they come in. You want coffee? You want breakfast? Like, or if we're recording around lunchtime, what, you know, what kind of sandwich do you want? See, he didn't want a bagel or a donut or a muffin or anything. He just said black coffee. And what I was gonna do is I was gonna bring you an empty cup, mm. and you'd mm. just be like, "Oh, what's this? Oh, it didn't make it into the cup. <laughs> it didn't make it. Kind of like cup. the endorsement didn't yeah. make it into the book. Yeah." yeah. So I, I mean, have to ask. It's like a whole new level of pettiness that you would have <laughs> brought this to. Juvenile pettiness. Juvenile. So I have to ask who I got bumped in favor yeah. of who? Yeah, you got bumped in favor of uh, Susan Conley, who was my editor. Uh, she's a writer, um, and she helped me through the whole process. knew the knew yeah, the material was, inside. Uh, as an experienced author who self publishes, I'm sure I was. No help to you through the whole you, process you, either. You, yeah. Like you, you get it. You got in the acknowledgments. What do you want me to say? Like you got a big, got a big call out. So you, you didn't yeah. tell me that. I didn't tell you that. No, no. it's supposed to be yeah. a surprise. But you just keep talking about it. <laughs> so so, it's, it's in there. It's, this is the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. But the um. But yeah, Susan. Susan was a huge, huge help. She's a great uh, writing teacher, writing coach, and uh, a, a great writer in her in her own in her own right. Has a bunch of books, um, fiction books, um, and one not one memoir. Um, but you know, and it was like, I had a couple of guys and I wanted to get at least one woman on, I the, bet you did. on the, on the cover. So, um, it's a, uh, it's a weird experience. You know, you're publishing your first book, uh, self publishing your first book, uh, feels, feels such a mix, John. Like I know you've done this so many it, times. I get yelled at by my wife, uh, for saying this, but it feels like you're delivering a baby. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, carry the baby typically three to six months you've been carrying this baby full term for you has been over a decade it's been like six years yeah yeah but doesn't it feel like 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 you you feel labor pains yeah i don't mean to diminish the the pain of childbirth for a woman because we all know that's like the equivalent of a guy having a cold Right. right I, tell, I, just I just pissed tell. off every woman that listens to this by saying that. But you like you do feel the pains of laboring over a manuscript and the edits and Yeah. So how did you before we talk about the book, how did you navigate um, besides patiently the edits and getting feedback from someone? Because I'll tell you what I did to brace yeah. myself for impact so to speak with my first book. I bought and had delivered to my editor a case of red pens. Mm. Like she didn't do the edits and like Microsoft Word because I don't know how to navigate all that. Mm. And neither did she. Literally red pen on a manuscript in the margins. Mm. And it was just to brace myself like 
you might run out of ink. Yeah. Yeah. How did you brace yourself for feedback? Oh, John, this is... Because people have trouble. This is part of executive communication. People have trouble accepting feedback, right? Yeah. Well, but first let me say the process of writing a book, I mean, if if anybody out there has like thought about this and you've thought, or maybe you've done it already, but the, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not what you probably think it's going to be like, whatever you think, right? It's kind of like in a, in a way it's like having kids. Those of you who have kids, like Like teenage kids, you think, you think you know what it's going to be and you think you you can look at it and you'd be like, Oh, I know what that is. Like, I'll figure that out. Or that looks hard. But like, you know, the process of writing a book has, for me, has been a process of writing myself. Like, I've had to figure myself out in this and learn a lot about myself. And you're a mystery wrapped in an enigma. That's true. Um, so the editing thing was a real bummer. Like, I didn't like it at all. I um, I had this fantasy that, and I, I, I readily admit this. I, I was a school teacher for a long time. I knew what editing was. You I readily knew, admit that? I readily admit this thing. Most people, I had most recovering problem. teachers don't admit that in public, <laughs> Seth. I had this problem where I, uh, I really thought that if I could get that first draft good enough, that she would just, that Susan would just take that first draft and be like, oh my God, I have never seen somebody write a first draft this good before. Did like, I mention my friend Seth is very delusional? I, so delusional. <laughs> so delusional. I mean, John, I, I, the first, I wasn't even done with my first draft and it was going so well in my mind that I went for a walk with uh, my dogs and I was walking, I was out. What kind of dogs uh, you have? I had two used to have two Portuguese water dogs. So I, like, I went walking names, in the please. woods. Uh, they were Fanny and Milton. Milton has died. The um, We went for a walk in the woods. And as I was walking, I was thinking, this is going so well. This is going, this is just a delusion, okay? This mm-hmm. is going so well. This is going, this book is going so well. It's so good. I mean, I want to, this is like five years ago, okay? So like this, this book was not good. But I was thinking this book was so good I was like, oh, man, you know who's going to love this book? Oprah. Oprah's going to love this yeah. book. <laughs> Oprah's going to love this book. Oh, what, what am I going to say to Oprah when she asked me? about? And, like, I had this whole fantasy, and I went back, and I was like, I better go back to this book. And, like, I went back, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, this is not <laughs> what I thought it was. And then, you know, iterations and iterations so and edits. So let's get back to... You send it to your editor, and she just—I mean, she just—what was her response? She, she, she's a great cheerleader. She's always like, "Oh my god, this is so close." Here's just five thousand things you got to do to it. That's and, super close. And I was like, every time I was like, I bought the like, <laughs> I had to get so mad at her four years into it because I was like, Susan, you keep saying I'm so close, <laughs> but like, I every time I get I like give you another thing, like I feel like I'm further away, and um. You know, the editing process was really, I mean, people say writing is rewriting. That's like a. Yeah, there are no great writers, there are only great rewriters. And um, I forget who said that. It was either Shakespeare or The Rock. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was The Rock. The the, the process of of editing is really really where all the beauty starts to happen. In the generation of the material is where, you know, you sort of, the delusions really, you have to be delusional to start a book you've got to be a little bit like less than one percent of the population ever writes a book not publishes yeah writes and the percentage that to give you a perspective on your accomplishment here because your ego isn't big enough yeah thank you uh like you know less, less than one percent ever publish 
or sorry, ever write a book and even less than that, like a fraction of that ever publish. Right. So there's writing and then there's actually putting it out into the world. That sounds that sounds impressive until you think of how many people that really is. That's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and and 30,000 new books get introduced to uh, the marketplace every day. Every day. I mean, you know, I, I think there are a lot of bad, that just tells you there's a lot of bad books. Two, out there. two, two, two things about this process that I, I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but two things about this process of writing a book that you've talked about, but I, I, I didn't really understand. One is that like, it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal to like birth this thing to like put it out there in the open. It's, it's scary. It takes a lot of work. You know, it, it, it is absolutely true. It's a big deal. I'm very proud of this book. And the second thing is nobody cares. Like right. it doesn't really matter. Like you, you write a book, and I'm very happy with this book. I think it'll help people. And I know it'll help people who who read it. And it's just a thing. Like when it's I just when I uh, when you were telling me you're writing this at some point in the last five years, did I recommend Stephen Pressfield's book to you? No. It's called Nobody Reads Your Shit. Oh, no, that's or great. Why thing. Nobody Reads Your Shit. <laughs> yeah. Excuse my French. Yeah. Um, so if you've ever put anything out into the world in any form, if you're a podcaster listening to this, professional speaker, writer, anything, yeah. a creator of any kind, just substitute read for listen or look at or whatever, yeah. it's true. Um, and he's not saying that in a demeaning way. He's saying that in a like, get over yourself and just keep pushing out content yeah. and just keep creating sort of way. Like a cheerleader sort of way, kind of like Susan was with you. I think I think um, I, I like what Philip Pullman said. Um, he's the guy who the wrote, suitcase guy, the Pullman suitcases. Yeah, yeah, no, he's the guy who wrote. Um, uh, That's Philip Morris. Something. Philip sorry. Pullman wrote all these like fantasy novels. I, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on the the names. But well, the, there's uh, a lot of pressure on this podcast. Yeah, yeah but no he wonder. he he talked about how your first and foremost your your biggest audience member is yourself and like i i want to say that like i had to write all these things when i was trying to get an agent and you know trying to get an agent when you're not famous and you're writing a business book is like basically like shouting into the wind like it's just not that no one cares but the i was writing these things like who's your audience and i was trying to describe what my audiences and professionals and you know high potentials and all this stuff and leaders and but at the end of the day, I, I this book was for me. Like I mm-hmm. needed this book. I it always is. I, yeah. I needed every single character in this book to tell this story. And and that's the thing I want to say about this book that's different. Susan really pushed me, and you actually encouraged me to do this too. Is to to tell tell the material in story form. You know, don't do it in like a didactic way where you yeah, just like, it's not an instructional things. manual. How many of those books? Do, I mean, I've read those books or I've tried to read those books and there are some interesting nuggets in them, but they're just like to get to that. It's excruciating. Yeah. It's excruciating, yeah. right? It's just all the things you're supposed to. And I wrote that book, you know, five, six years ago, I wrote that book and Susan was like, yeah, no one's going to read that. So I feel like this is a, a good time to, to take a quick break and read to or share with the audience some of my different endorsements oh, okay. that yeah. were left on the cutting room uh, floor. Yeah. So looking forward to this one. Yeah. So um, Seth approached me. Oh, we, should, we should just say. Let's I, frame it. I yeah. asked John to endorse. I said, would you write an endorsement from my book? And he was like, oh, I've been waiting for you to ask. And what I got, folks, was I, all I can say is a steady stream of garbage. <laughs> like 
absolute uh, craziness. We'll let them be the judge of if it's garbage <laughs> or not. First of all, I said I'd be honored to. Do you want me to write it, or would you like to write it like however you need it to read? Yeah. And just attach I don't my name you, to I don't it. remember you saying that. I did part. that. I don't remember you saying that. And they're that. like, you're like, no, I really want you to write it. Yeah. Okay. I said, okay, I'll, I'm going to give you a good one uh huh, and then some fun ones. But I didn't say, which I didn't tell you which the, one was which. Yeah, so right. um, here's the first one. <laughs> we'll let the audience be the judge. God. Reading this book will add 40 points to your IQ, make you richer, thinner, and better looking. Yeah. And that was signed John Brubaker, yep. professional embellisher. Yep. That was good. Yep. There was a whole bunch of those. We'll get to the rest of them before this of is over. Some of them more appropriate, you know, some of them less appropriate than others. Uh, we'll read them all. Okay. All right. So, story format because it resonates, uh, the power of story is never to be underestimated. It's yeah. as old as drawings on caves. Those murals tell a story of like how not to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. It's how we learn is through yeah, stories. How we make sense of information for yeah. sure. Like yeah. we we can't. I mean, you tell people you tell people data, information, whatever it is, skill sets, and like you explain it to them without putting it in context or something that's like allows them to kind of imagine themselves in it. If you don't do that, it's just not. And this is why Malcolm Gladwell's so like crazy famous. Then he makes up his own facts well, and mean, uses you know, anecdotal evidence and calls it he, research. He's, he's, <laughs> he's able, he's at a level now where he's able to just like hear something on the radio and write a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Where'd you get that idea? <laughs> David and Goliath. Yeah, like, what was your inspiration behind <laughs> that? Uh, gee, I don't know. <laughs> he, but he's such a good writer and he's such a good storyteller. Beautiful and, hair. And he's got beautiful hair and like, you know, and he's built a whole career around that and that's, yeah, that, that, he's in some ways that work is the danger of storytelling as well. I don't want to mm. get off track, but like you know, there's oh, there's is. there's a real yeah. value to being able to match real valuable information with a story that people can can ingest. And, and we uh, and I found myself as I was reading the book, um, you don't hear the story. Yeah, right. You hear yourself or see yourself in the story. I, so that's it's a not huge compliment. It's that's not about um, chapter one. What was the guy's name? Matteo. Matteo. So it's not about Matteo. You hear yourself in Matteo's story yeah. in, in different segments. Yeah. And I think that's never to be underestimated, the power of that. I mean, that's such an honor to hear you say that because that really was something I was trying so hard to do. I, You know, I didn't <clears> – <throat> these characters – just so everybody understands, like I, I, I had this, this real dilemma. Like, I don't want to out clients. It's not really. It's not. It's just not fair to them. Like, yeah. It's very shout personal. out to Seth's client Matt, who's <laughs> now Mateo in the yeah, book. Right. Like, like you really disguised I really, these folks. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I wanted to figure, I mean, and I also didn't want to, you know, make them up whole cloth. So I, I basically took experiences that I had and made amalgamations or mashups. Sure. Um, and and so each character feels very real to me. These these because they're based these, on real people that you've done real work with. They, they they are based on experiences I've had with people with clients. The 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 stories themselves, the things that happen to them, the things they're struggling with are 
more, I would say they're more like typical, like people are going to, anyone who works in any kind of business, they're going to be like, oh yeah, like that's a thing that happens. Like, you know, yeah, of course. Like I've been in a C-suite meeting where somebody was trying to block my initiative or I've been. As I was reading those chapters, I'm like, oh, we've all been there. all been there, Like half a dozen times, like been there too. Yeah, it's super relatable folks. Even if you haven't, they're not like. They're not super. It's not a arcane, stretch to understand. You know, yeah, ridiculous. Anyway, and I and and I wanted to make sure that the business. My biggest insecurity was that the business cases would feel real to people, or real enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you know, Matteo is a good example. So Matteo is a character who, uh, he's he runs a uh, basically a food plant, like um, pick up like like Tyson Foods or something like that, like sure. some kind of food plant, and he's um, he's young. He's super like, uh, or maybe as, like as, seafood if you're up here in New England. Right, seafood if you're up here in New England. He's like, he's young. He's um, uh, he has an ethnic background. He's got, uh, um, he has like a real passion, like young people do today, like real passion for, um, you know, creating a culture that is meaningful. And, and he just wears his heart on his sleeve, but he's all like aggression. He's, I mean, all like, uh, with his team. He's just brutal, and uh, he has um, he does a presentation to his team because he because the scores they do like engagement scores in this place. You know, he's really trying to change the culture. He does these engagement scores, and they come in really low. And he is brutal on his team, and he just says he's like the first slide in the in the um, presentation to his team is is uh, you know maybe you're the asshole, and like and it's all like it, it's all. F- fun and he thinks like but he's he's got such a chip on his shoulder and his team is rebelling and no one's listening and he doesn't have the influence and the ceo asked me basically can you can you work with him and so you drop into a session with me and mateo and you get to see mateo like his defensiveness his his unwillingness to be vulnerable and then you get to see, and this is the Into the Wolf moment. Is like Into the Wolf. Explain Into the Wolf yeah, for so, people. So, so Into the Wolf is like, it comes from this uh, saying in Italian, which is in, in, in Italy, when you want to say good luck, you, they don't say good luck. That's like apparently bad luck. So you say in bocca al lupo, which is kind of like uh, what we say here in the theater world. We say break a leg, which is um, sort of like this weird thing you say to somebody. And in bocca al lupo means into the mouth of the wolf. And you're supposed to say, uh, crepi, which is may it die, and the idea being that um, something is going to like transform. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna transform if you go into the mouth of the wolf. You'd say that before job interviews. You say that before exams. You say that before big events. What I see, Seth's it, mafia, by the that's, way, yeah, that's right. Italian background. Yeah. It's like you know, it's a, that's a bit of a stereotype, but I'll take it. You know, it's like the so um, like break a leg is actually done with a bat. <laughs> he doesn't do his own violence. He's got people for that. Listen, this is not figurative. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like the uh, idea in in the work that I do, what I have noticed is that you invite people to be more vulnerable. You invite people to be more authentic. You invite people to trust themselves more. But they come up against something. There's always up, that. There's resistance. always this resistance. Yeah. And what is that resistance? In my experience, that resistance is something they're afraid of inside themselves. Something that like some idea, some belief, some some limiting concept of themselves, you know, I can't do that because or I'm not going to be safe if I or if I speak the truth, I'm going to get rejected, whatever the thing is. So the 
whole concept of the book is when we do that, we have to go into the wolf. We can't avoid it. We have yep. to lean into it. And what you see in Mateo is a good example of this. Like, I invite him. That's why I brought him up. I'm yeah. a masterful You're interviewer. A masterful Seth. interviewer. It's also the first chapter, so it was easy to. I didn't read past that. Good point. <laughs> uh, you know, I invite him to be more vulnerable with his team and so, to share his story. So let me ask you this. Um, do you think, like, so people kind of bring this baggage about themselves to their work? Yeah. Um, and we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to expose that. Do you think sometimes or often they project that very thing that they are onto the people they're leading? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, that is like, that is the problem, right? Like, we, um, I mean, there's a, a concept, John, I'm sure you're familiar with, like the shadow work that mm-hmm. happens with CEOs and leaders is that, you know, whatever it is that you're not dealing with in yourself, you're going to find is going to be all over the place in your company. So like you're avoidant, if you're avoidant of conflict, guess what? The company is going to be just passive aggressive and codependent and yeah. really like all these problems and everyone's gossiping behind their back. And you're like, well, how'd that happen? It's like, well, cause yeah, you, wonder. <laughs> you are afraid of conflict and learning how to like lean into that. You can't fix it. This is all leaders all managers out there, I want you to understand something. You can't fix these things externally. Yeah. You have to, I mean, you know this, John, you got to do the inside work. You got to look at yourself and walk your talk. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, look at what's going on for you and, and be the thing that you want the organization to be. Yeah. And it's like not to not recommend your book or any of mine or anyone else's great books. But you always hear, and I'm sure you got this, like leaders ask you, hey, what's what's a good book you could recommend to me yeah. or recommend to my people? How about yourself? Yeah, and my answer is always, you're the book that your you're, people read. You're the book. They read it cover to cover every day. Yeah. Let's start there. That's such a good, I mean, John, that is like, right, I mean, that that itself could be a whole thing. Right, like that right there is, the book. is you, yeah. you, you want to you wanna help your team, you want to read something, learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. Learn about yourself. Go deep in understanding yourself. It's hard work, though. I mean, I get why people don't do it. It's hard work. It's 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 uncomfortable. Uh, you don't, you know, you want to believe that you can figure it out. Um, and and you it, figuring yourself out is hard. Like it's not something you can really do. Speaking of hard work and uncomfortable, I think now's a good time uh, to pause and read another endorsement. Here we go. Seth. Here we go. Good. What's this one? <clears throat> This is the 10th best book I've ever read, right behind Leadership Helping Others Succeed, The Coach Approach, Seeds of Success, The Secret Playbook, The Daily Game Plan, Stadium Status, Beyond Stadium Status, The Idea Journal, and Rudy Kangaroo Moves Forward. Yeah. And that was uh, signed John Brubaker, comma, Shameless Self-Promoter. All those books, just so you know, all those books are written by John Brubaker. Most people should already know that. (laughs) Sick of all the negative news and toxic politics on the radio? How about the constant commercials? Lucky for you, we have an alternative. Chin Up Chest Out Radio, America's only mental health radio station. Playing the hits from the 90s to today, without commercials. Download the free app at kukoradio.com. So, there's the shadow work, there's, uh, you know, these stories. What, um... Let's like 
just go back to like the essence of all of this yeah. before we elaborate on anything. And maybe we should have started here. Explain executive presence to my audience. Yeah, this is that's a good. Okay, so um, it, it is a very strange thing. Like, so first of all, executive presence gets thrown around a lot in sort of the world of. Uh, leadership in HR as like some mysterious thing that you lack if you're not getting promoted. Like, mm-hmm. like so like w- women are told this all the time. You just lack executive presence. And uh, that's why we're not promoting you to VP. And Which is like what? A set of testicles? I don't usually, know. It's usually, right? it's usually yeah. some like, it's some, it's like basically we're not comfortable with you or you seem too womanly or whatever the thing yeah. is. But like the, from my perspective, executive presence or leadership presence or professional presence, whenever we're talking about presence, what we're talking about is the the way you carry yourself, the way you people feel about you when you're in the room. And and I talk about Before this Before you a ever lot. say a word? Like, should we add that disclaimer? Before you even say a word. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's better to think about it as like when you don't say anything, mm-hmm. how do people feel about you? And there's like a an element here of it's it's mysterious it's not like it's it's not so much like a a thing you can put your finger on like it's not like put your hand on your hip in this way and then you'll have more executive let's presence. do some power poses yeah i mean deep in your voice I, no that, that stuff that stuff you can fake some of that stuff yeah. so in acting you learn how to like basically fake a lot of things like you can do things in acting to make yourself look like you have authority but what what this really is about is you embodying authority, mm-hmm. you embodying a sense of self-worth, John. Like if you walk into a room and you know you belong, you know this, like you walk into a room and you know you belong, no one is going to question your right to be in that room. We um, took a deep dive into this the last time Seth was on my podcast. This is uh, pre-COVID. Yeah. If you want to go back, are we allowed to say that word? Yeah, you go back into the archives, and you know, basically, um, that whole episode is a deep dive into that. We talk a little bit about like executive presence, like the sports equivalent of that is a quarterback walk when he walks from the sideline, you know, talking to the coach, and he walks back and enters the huddle. Yeah, that's executive presence. Yeah, it's it's and it's and it's a um, like like John was saying, like you can you can fake some of it, but you but people know. Yep, they feel it. And so you and you feel it, and that's really the thing. Like, like there's a uh, so the part of the element here is claiming authority. Part of the element is embodying that sense of self, that sense of authority. And there's no switch to be flipped. You really have to come to terms with this. Is where the wolf comes in. You have to come to terms with what does it mean for me to trust myself? What does that look like? All right, so let me ask you this: What's the wolf in your life? Ah. So many things. This book was totally the wolf for me. Like I, so like a little background, like I, you know, writing, when I was 15, uh, I, 16, I I decided there were two things I wanted to be in the world. Like it was very clear to me. I I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to be a writer. And I went to my father. I have a very difficult relationship with my father. He He was a challenging, difficult man with lots and lots of problems. Um, and 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 you know we like we talked about this he wanted to be a writer too and i told him i said i wanted to be a writer and i wanted to be an actor and he told me um hey those things are avocations Hmm. he's like that's like picking your nose you can't do those two things like you'll never ever ever make it 
doing those two things. You got to pick a vocation. And I, you know, I took that so hard. I took that so hard as like, it's not, it's not available to me. And, you know, he was talking about his own failures in this regard, his own stuff. And like, and he, you know, he was always very threatened by the idea that I might like surpass him in some way. And I don't really know. I mean, look, I'm not going to get into his psychology. He's passed. Um, But the, the thing about this was that I was like writing, like it was like, like I felt the weight of him on my shoulders through this process. And mm-hmm. Susan really like, like you did, you encouraged me. You just kept saying like write every day. And like Susan was like encouraging me and I had other people encouraging me. And I just, I'm going to tell you something like persistence. Like I did this so messily. This did not need to take six years in terms of the work that I put into it. I counted 10, but okay. Right. Yeah. This did not need to take so long in terms of like the actual <laughs> time I sat down writing, but it took so it took exactly as long as it needed to take for me to get past this like this um hindrance I had this like obstacle I had about like I was I was I was carrying him on my shoulder I was carrying him on my shoulder he was weighing me down yeah you know I don't I am honestly like if we want to talk about this way like I don't think he really didn't want me you know didn't want me to be successful it's just that like it was I took that on at that age and then you know, so this whole process, like pushing this out into the world, was really just a uh, like this leap of faith, right? Like I just jumped in the wolf. Like I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I think this is another one of those times, Seth. Oh, because you know how you, you said it took you a long time to write it. Well, this is one of those yeah. perfect endorsements. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but this book ought to be really good. Since it took him over a decade to write. <laughs> Signed, John Brubaker, purveyor of the cold hard truth. That is probably the one that immediately put my actual endorsement on the cutting room floor. So, <laughs> oh, God. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> leadership communication. That's kind of the other piece of what you do executive presence leadership communication you can bundle them together if you want to but like yeah what uh what do you feel or what do you find most leaders get wrong when it comes to communication ah, i mean because i do believe we go back where we started like we've got a communication and a leadership crisis in this country we have a we have a uh, we have a disconnect so there, there's like there's like this weird thing that's i i have this is my personal like opinion i think that you're humble but highly accurate opinion (laughs) my humble opinion like i what i see happening is the good communicators don't have any real ideas so the the the, they're just they're just really good at communicating themselves Mm -hmm. and they and it's either ego driven or it's uh you know it's 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 whatever you know self-promotional or 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 just like power um and then the ones who like actually know things, like the ones who actually like have uh, a deep understanding, they they can't communicate what they know in a way that that can bring people together. So like what happens is, um, it, and and by the way, this thing is really hard. So knowing something about something and being able to talk about that thing in a way other people can understand it and actually act on it is a very very difficult skill. So don't think what I'm saying is like. You know, that's because, you know, you're stupid or whatever. That's really hard. But what I, I find with leaders, 
so let me just take that. That's, that's, I think, a problem with just leadership in general right now is the knowing and the communicating. The, with leadership, there's also this other thing, which is like people don't know themselves and they don't know how to communicate themselves. So they, the biggest challenge I see with leadership is they're unaware of how they're being perceived. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, right? So they're just like, everyone knows this about me and they're like, no, yeah. no one knows anything about you. And the second thing, you're all just, you're just basically a projection screen. Like you got to get clear about that. And the second thing is um, they don't understand that because they said something doesn't mean that anybody understood it. So like they're like, well, I put it in or the memo. Or if they did understand it, they even want to execute it, right? Well, uh, I, Which I mean, is I, another whole thing. I think, I think yeah. like that is such a more manageable thing. Like yeah. when like I understood what you wanted, I don't want to do that thing. That is so much more manageable than everyone in the room nodding their head. And being like, huh? and then six months later, you're like, "What happened? Yeah. Like, I thought we were all in agreement, and everyone's going in different directions." Like, I see that so much more common. It doesn't make any difference how many meetings you have, if they're not clear and efficient. If they're yeah. not like, if the message, if the arrow of the message that you're sending doesn't hit the target, it doesn't really matter. Yep. I mean, that's 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 ultimately it, and 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 the confusion that we have is you know i can't remember who said this uh but the confusion we have is is when we when we think that what we communicated is what people heard you know and so i always tell people you know i'll say like don't tell me what you want them to to know tell me what you want tell me what you want them to hear Mm -hmm. because then we can get really clear about like whether or not that thing is hearable right whether that thing is something people could actually hear you know, and because we usually want to, we want to tell people what we they should know, and that is nobody wants to, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. You got another endorsement for me? Uh, do you want another one? Yeah. This, go okay. Ahead. Uh, this book is so good. I'm buying two so that each eye can have its own copy. <laughs> John Brubaker. <laughs> I used to be a nobody. Now I have a comment on the back of a book. <laughs> <laughs> Not so fast. Not so Brew. fast, John. Yeah. Uh, the reason that upper management restricted internet usage now in convenient book form. <laughs> uh, let's, let's do one more, and then uh, I want to talk more about the book. Okay? How yeah. much How much more time do you have? Just a couple more minutes. All right. Uh, oh boy. So I want to I talk about something while you're while you're doing that. The um, yep. uh, I've been thinking about this. Like, so I I rode over here on my motorcycle, and w- one of the things that I was thinking about on the motorcycle is, is a lot and this is sort of like with the book and like what I see with leadership is that you you know this is true for skiing this is true for bicycling it's true for most things when you are um, you have to concentrate on where you're going but the where you look on a motorcycle is where you go mm-hmm. like so much and you can know that you can know that there's this thing that happens in the, and I'm, I'm new to this. So like, I'm only like a year into riding a motorcycle. So the I, training wheels are still I get, on. Right? I get, I get a little, I can get a little tight sometimes. I can get a little like, like stressed if things mm-hmm. are, if the wind picks up for example, I have a 450. So it's like the wind picks up, my bike starts to kind of shake. And like my eyesight, my, my head and my eyes will shorten the road. Yeah. So I'm looking closer in front of me and then I'm looking closer in front of me it's harder to like 
be flexible with the turn. It's harder to actually follow the turns, right? Like it's like it's like you you almost like can't get the bike to turn because your eyes are in the wrong place. And I was thinking, this is like really this is a, this is a great analogy. It, it's 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 yeah. not so much it's not so much apparent in the book in terms of you know the actual instructions in the book are not so yeah. much on that. But the but the idea is that like you see this in all the people. Where are they looking? You know, where are they focused? Are they focused on themselves? Are they focused on the people they're trying to communicate to? Are they focused on a vision mm-hmm. ahead that they're trying to get people? And I tell leaders all the time, like, you have to check where your eyes are. You know, if you are in your navel, if you're thinking about yourself in this moment, if you're paying attention too much to, like, how people are thinking about you, guess what? You're going to be wobbly and you're going to be tight and you're going to be, you're going to look uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? So, like, get your eyes on that vision. Like, be looking where you want everyone to go and that really helps wasn't that the old saying like with race car drivers like if you're looking at the wall oh you're gonna gonna crash into the wall 100 percent. if you're looking to where you're going like if you have your eyes on the horizon you're gonna travel straight yeah Yeah. and this that's right and this is the thing i wanted to say about that is that like yes why are we looking at the wall Mm -hmm. fear fear and so if you want to be a better leader if you want to be a better communicator, deal with the fear. And that's what the wolf is all about. Yeah, right? and, and some of you might be afraid to actually pull the trigger on buying this. You go to SethRigoletti.com, and you're thinking about buying it. <laughs> you need to just go, to go the into the wolf go and the buy wolf. it because, well, let me put it this way. Life may go on if you don't buy this book. But you'll always wonder, what if? What if? That was another one of my endorsements, yeah. folks. Yeah. That's amazing you didn't make it on there. It really is, like with quality stuff like this. Finally, the answer to the question, WWJR, what would Jesus read? <laughs> I mean, that is a book endorsement of biblical proportions. I didn't remember that one. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about... Um, here we go. Uh, I started reading Seth's book to my unborn child, and it burst from my wife's womb <laughs> like the thing in Alien, the movie. Grabbed the book and went back in. Damn, baby. Now I have to buy another copy. Yep. Yep. That, that one's very cinematic. That so, one's yep. got a lot going on there. These it's, are, these it's, are hey, it's got some illusions. Some it's, of the greatest hits. Yes. yes. Um, well, what, what do people need to know about into the wolf like i hate to say give us like uh the cliff notes give us like the sales pitch yeah for it but yeah. i'm gonna ask you give us give us a sales pitch for I'll, it I'll, I'll i'll frame it up this way because this is I'll, a podcast for leaders about leaders yeah you know and well this is this is this is a uh a book for anybody who has ever had this experience if you've ever had the experience of oh, nice John is stripping. <laughs> it's a little hot in here. God, it is his singlet. <laughs> <laughs> so um, please continue. Yeah, this is thanks. the important part of the podcast. Uh, uh, hard to concentrate. All right. So if you've ever been in a situation where you think you're communicating clearly. You think you're coming across. You think that you've got a message here that is important, that needs to be heard, and it's not. You're being disregarded. 
you're being sort of accused of being too aggressive. You're 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 finding yourself in in weird complex you don't understand. It's kind of dismissed. If yeah. you are ever in that situation and you're wondering what happened, what's going on here, this book is for you. It's not because you have a problem. I want to be really clear about well, that. Remind me again the subtitle. The I mean, I know it. I it just want to, to speak it. and be heard. Exactly. And and the idea here is because lots of people speak, but are they really heard? Yes, that's exactly right. That's it. and and I, this is my problem. I had this problem for a long time. I would say things, and I would I uh, so even as a school teacher, I just was so curious what was happening. What was happening in the room? I would say the same thing to one class that I said to another class. And what worked in one class didn't work in the other class. And I was like, what is going on here? And what what I really got curious about was what was happening to me, right? Not not so much what was happening to them because that, that – But that's that a natural mystery. reaction is like I said the same thing to both classes. It can't be me. It must be that it class. It must be them. They must be – must yeah. be that audience right. if you're a leader. Yeah. Right. And, the, and, and I tell leaders all the time like, look, that's always an option. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. That's always an option. You know, the idea that they don't understand, the idea that they're not smart enough, the idea, like, that's always an option. Yeah. But start with you. Start with you. Because if you can start with you, you, you have something to work with. And I, and I don't, and I want to be really clear, there's like, a, there's some parts of this book that are about, you know, you, you learn, you, there's a little bit of sexism, there's a, not, not from me, but from the characters in the book are sort of experiencing sexism mm-hmm. or misogyny. And like, that's, that's not, you can't fix that. Like, you, you, you as a person who is struggling with that. That's not your job to fix that. But it is your job to have, like, I want you to have some agency Mm -hmm. in there. I want you to have something you can do to stand up for yourself, to have a voice for yourself in that moment. And there are things that we do to undermine ourselves that are just, like, like let's let's just not do that. Let's not do those things. Let's be really clear about who we are. So what's one of those things? I think this is a great... This is a great way to tie a bow on this. What are a couple of things that we're how we undermine ourselves when we're communicating? Like, I'll give you an example: uh, a woman in the workplace presenting to the board, and I kind of selling an idea yeah. or their vision, and they're historically they're not being heard yeah. in these meetings. How? What's a kind of a garden variety way, so to speak, that they are? Uh, Shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, and and let let me reframe it. It's not so much that they're shooting themselves in the foot. It's more that like, um, it's like going in going into a room like that. What is happening is you think you're playing one game and you're actually playing a different game. Oh yeah. So like you think you're playing catch, but really you're playing high lie, you know, or something like that. Like you have to understand. That if 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 you walk, you think in, you're playing catch, you're playing dodgeball, dodgeball in some of those right? meetings. Yeah. So like so like what happens is, um, and and this is this is like a a, a, good, a good example. Like it is very effective when you have a audience that is receptive. It's very effective to be self-deprecating. If you have an audience that wants you to tell them what's going on, you, you are self-deprecating. From a leadership position, you lower your status just to become enough. a little more relatable. You become more relatable. Yep. People like will relax a little bit. It's great. If you have an audience that is already diminished you, you're they're like they're misogynistic, right? Mm-hmm. They already think that you don't belong there. You self-deprecate, you confirm their convictions, and you create a situation where they are gonna 
they're just going to disregard. Now, that's not your fault, right? That's not your fault. But you're not helping your cause. I just don't want you to play that game. Yeah. Don't play that game. Like, go in there and understand your audience. And when they show that they don't respect you, you respect you. And mm-hmm. what does that look like? Well, first of all, like, I look at body language, like, hold your ground. You know, don't sh- fidget. Plant your feet on the ground. Don't make yourself small. If you're if you're if you're a, a, a someone who tends to like sit in the back of the chair, sort of sit away from the table, sit up on the table, sit tall. You, most most women in business know this. They do these things. Take up space. Like uh, these are all things that you know. Be really direct with your answers. Don't. Don't be circuitous with any of your language. Like, be really vague. Don't not vague. Sorry. Be really direct and and clear. And like, practicing those things, it doesn't mean that the audience is going to all of a sudden be like, oh, we 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 were wrong the whole time. Like, yeah. She, like, but what it does is it makes it harder and harder for them to make uh, to convince themselves that you don't have authority. It brings it more to the forefront. And if they say something like, well, how do you know? It's like, well, you hired me to do this job, mm-hmm. right? That's ultimately like the, the main thing. You hired me to do this job and I'm doing this job. And the more you hold to that, the more likely they're, if, they, if they're not evil people, the more likely they're going to start to turn. This is not meant to be like... Positive turn. Yeah, okay. positive turn. Most, most, in my experience, most groups are doing this sort of stuff out of like habit, societal pressures. Like they just, it's the culture they lived in, mm-hmm. the culture they grew up in. They don't know any better a lot of times. And then the sometimes ones, the sins of the previous person totally, in your position totally, roll totally, over and get dumped totally, onto you too. Right. Totally, right. And it, and, and stereotype threats are real thing. That's where like, basically like, you know, there's this whole concept of like, Oh, this person is this way. That means that they're going to behave in this particular way, and they're just looking for that behavior. Yep. And we we just we have to upend all that stuff. And we and and by the way, if you're listening to this and you're the ones in the chair listening to someone like this, be more receptive, be more curious about your own bias. Like like this this is not a one way street. Here we got to work on this together. To quote the great American philosopher Ted Lasso, yes, be curious, not judgmental. Be curious. That is like absolutely. Totally. Like, he has got that nailed down. And I do think we're living in a bit of a curiosity deficit today more than ever. We do not. Yeah, we do not. We are not curious about each other. Yeah. We we are. Um, and, we, and we're scared. It's, like, it's almost scared. like confirmation bias is our default setting. You, we're so scared, John. We're so scared of being. I mean, I think that it doesn't. You've talked about this so much. This, like, loneliness epidemic in, in the world. Oh, in yeah. The, in the world right now. And, like, the. the the loneliness epidemic and these like groups that are forming uh, where people are calcifying around some sort of like philosophical belief, you know, and and we birds aren't real. Yeah. And and we, and we aren't, and we aren't like community oriented, right? We aren't thinking about ourselves as like one whole, you know, species or one whole group. You know, that whole thing comes down like that kills curiosity because if I, 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 I'm so afraid that if I tell you the truth about who I am, you're going to reject me and then I'm going to be all alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where, you know, this fear comes in and we just have to like, whew, we just got to start to break that down. That's why whether you agree with a person or not, like some of the people I hold uh, in like highest respect and admiration, like I wish I were more like that person. Right. Are the people, and you might not agree with what they say, how they say it, the language they use, 
the ones who just don't give a fuck, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, about yeah. what people think. They're just being their authentic self, and they're not afraid to be. As long as I mean, yes. My caveat is, it, it, don't as, be a jerk. As, as long as like, they if they don't care what people think, but they care about people. Yes. Like I I. I I used to admire people who don't care what people think, and then I realized, oh, they're just being jerks. Like, mm-hmm. like I like I want someone who cares for people. Th- this actually is the true thing of a leader. Like, a leader has to like care about the people under them and be yourself, but not yeah. but not care about. Like, you can't care about their feelings in the way that you do about their well being. Like, you you're, yeah. people are going to have feelings. Everything you do is going to cause feelings. You have to be okay with people having feelings. You know, but you yeah. can't you can't stay up at night going. I, I wonder if John is mad at me. You have to like go to bed at night saying like people are going to be mad at me, but I'm doing the best I can. Like you got to say that. Uh, I'm deleting the the book endorsement. John's going to be mad at me, but you know I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> Just doing the best I yeah. can. Thank you, John. So, I really appreciate all the work you're doing and the Cuco work and and all the stuff you do around mental yeah, health. I mean, it's this great. this uh, podcast is brought to you by Chin Up Chest Out Apparel. Chin Up Chest Out and. Uh, you know, like uh, some of the work I'm doing is uh, shamelessly promoting your book. Yeah, I so appreciate that. It's such where, a generous thing. Uh, I am a kind and generous soul. Where is the best place for people to go to learn more about you while they're dusting off yeah. their wallets? Blowing the cobwebs off of their credit card and purchasing the book on your website. You can remind my, us again what that is. My website at SethRigoletti.com. That's spell Rigoletti. R I G O L E T T I. dot com. And um, you can go there. You can also uh, buy the book on Amazon.com if you like. Oh to no, no, we are them. not not making that bastard okay. richer then, than he already is. Then, you will go to Seth's website, and then so he knows of, who you are and you're a real person. He can yep. stay in touch with you. And there's a uh, we're working through an independent bookstore right now. We're just a slow rollout. Um, we're gonna start to. If you have bookstores that you would like me to come down to, let me know. We'll we'll come down and do a little book thing. And uh, I already talked to somebody. In I'll Rapid come with them and I'll read at the book <laughs> signing all of my endorsements. Yeah, that's, that's which I plan on doing tomorrow night. So great. <laughs> at his uh, first at his book launch party. Really, so yeah. so grateful. John, thank you very much for your My time. My pleasure. Uh, again, folks, go to SethRigoletti.com. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on here again. Yeah. And uh, we'll uh, we'll do a little follow-up on this right. in the near future. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Coach Brew Show. If you're not currently subscribed to the podcast, sign up now on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And for more information to turn your potential into performance, head on over to coachbrew.com now.